Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adewumi, and I'm going through this series of the, why we're, we're teaching the Acts of the Apostles. We are now in chapter 16, and I believe the Lord will give us insights as we read verse by verse, and we pause and give comments that will give more enlightenment to the believers that are listening, that are, being, that are learning from this teaching. Now we, in chapter 15, we have seen how Paul and uh, Barnabas separated and became two teams. Sometimes it looks like it's a, it's a quarrel, but no, it's a, a conflict, but God used it to make two teams out of one. So that Barnabas took Mark, John Mark, and went one way, and Paul showed Silas and went the other way, and it became two teams. Now, the story followed Paul. Why? Because Luke, disciple Luke, that wrote this book of the Acts of the Apostles, was following Paul, and he must have joined them sometime around this time, after this, in this, in this finally second uh, missionary journey, as we can we call it. The first missionary journey is Paul and Barnabas, and this time is Paul and Silas. And Luke most likely started following them around the, around the same time. Let's go from chapter 16 now. We are going to be reading verse by verse, and I believe the Lord will give us insight. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, from verse 1. Now, this is talking about Paul and Silas. Then came he to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. Now, this is the first time that Timotheo, the name of Timothy was mentioned. Apostle Paul was not the one that converted Timothy. But Apostle Paul has come through this section in the first, uh, in the first missionary journey between himself and Barnabas. They went through this, this is called Debbie and Lystra. And now, of course, they formed, they formed a little church there. Some disciples were there. So now, after they left, these disciples kept on witnessing to many more people that brought in uh, Timotheus among the disciples in Debbie and Lystra. That was, perhaps, that was his uh, Timotheus hometown. And his mom also, and his camp mom also, they all believed. So they were in the same church. He was a young man. According to this story, he said that. When, he, when Paul and Silas now came to Debi and Lystra, those are two adjacent cities, and built a certain disciple, so he was already a disciple before Paul knew him, was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess. So Timotheus' mom was a Jewess, I mean a Jew, a female Jew. And believed, uh, his mom also believed, but his father was a Greek. So now you see, these are the so Timothy will be classified as a Greek, but because his mom was Jewish, she has been Timothy has been raised by a mom by the mom that most of the time people gravitate to their mom's uh, relatives. So he has been raised in the Jewish understanding and, and Jewish religion, even though he was not circumcised like the Jews, because his daddy was a Greek, and maybe his daddy didn't agree with circumcision. So that was what happened here. Verse 2 says, 
this Timothy, because he, is, he was a believer and his mom also a believer in the group, in the small church that the already Apostle Paul has already founded when they first came around the first time. The people already reported that this young man is on fire for Jesus. Verse 2 says, which was well reported of, reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. So he, those are towns that are nearby and Iconium, Lystra, Debi, they were like small, small towns that are not too far away and the, the disciples most of our fellowship people with another from all those three different places. So they were now reporting that, oh, Timothy was on fire for Jesus. He was almost becoming a teacher too among them. But still, him, will Paul have to go forth with him? So Paul wanted this young man to go with him in evangelism. And he was also excited. And took him and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. Now, Apostle Paul more or less was more or less uh, succumbing to what the Jews would prefer. Because you will see in the earlier chapter, chapter 14, was when they went to Israel, to Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas and these people that were saying, you have to tell these Gentiles to be circumcised, to, be, to really be saved. And the apostles said, no, God, Jesus Christ didn't tell us to, didn't tell us to go and be calling them to be circumcised. So they wrote a letter. That was when Silas and, and uh, Judas and Silas came and told the people in Antioch and they sent letter to Syria and all these places where they are Gentile churches. Apostle Paul already knew that, yeah, they don't have to be circumcised. But now here is a case, just fresh. Now he saw this young man. We will classify him as a Gentile because his daddy was Greek. But his mom was Jewish. So if he has been in the synagogue with all the Jewish people, even though his daddy didn't approve for him to be circumcised, but it's not a man of so he was not circumcised when he was born, because this thing should have been done when he was just eight days old. But he was not circumcised. Apostle Paul wanted to to not raise any eyebrow among the Jews that were seeing him in the synagogue and they knew he was, his father was Greek and he has not been circumcised. So they kind of have a, a, a withdrawal from somebody like, like that, but they know his mom also bringing him to the synagogue. So Apostle Paul wanted to more or less silence the Jews that we try to raise an eyebrow that, oh, look at this man, he's now going with Apostle Paul. We appreciate he's, he's not even circumcised. So Apostle Paul did something here that we wonder why he did it, but that was what he did. He said he took him and he circumcised him. But still, he said, him will Paul have to go forward with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. He wanted to just silence the Jews so they won't be raising their eyebrows and say, well, now, that's why we say this, your religion is this. Look at somebody that is not circumcised. He's not going with you pass and he's expected to be a Jewish mom, at least this boy. So Apostle Paul more or less used that to circumcise him, which we may have a question about, because he was saying in the, in the book of Galatians that if you be circumcised, you are falling from the faith. So that's for the Gentiles. Of course, maybe that's for the Gentiles. See, this guy will be classified as a Gentile because his daddy was Gentile, even his mom was Jewish. So you can see uh, an issue right there. Let's fast forward. And as they went through the series of Apostle Paul and Silas and then Timothy are now going together. As they went through the series, they delivered them the decrees for to keep. What decrees? The decree of the apostles say, well, you don't need to be circumcised. All you Gentiles, just keep yourself away from these idols. Keep yourself away from all these pollutions, from 
and keep yourself from fornication and all this. Those four, four things they listed in chapter 14 that the Gentiles should just avoid this circumcision is not what we are told to go and preach. So they were delivering that message. Uh, Apostle was delivering it to wherever you go because now they are more or less visiting the churches they have founded. Remember that? The churches they are founded in the, far, in the first missionary journey is what you are visiting. Of course, while they are there, they go and evangelize some more people. So that's what it says as far and as they went through the series, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. That was the decree that they should only just avoid this type of meat, sacrifice unto idols, avoid fornication, forget about circumcision. It's not for the Gentiles. Verse 6 and verse 5. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now verse 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. He said the Holy Ghost forbid them to go to Asia. So sometimes you wonder why, why is that so? Because the Holy Spirit can see what is in the ahead. I believe that the Holy Ghost just didn't want Apostle Paul to be the one to, not that he didn't want the gospel to be preached in Asia. But it's not Apostle Paul, because he has already seen the fusion. When you go back, as you go further, you will notice that the Jews that arrested Apostle Paul in Jerusalem, they were from that Asia. After he has gone there and do some miracles and so on, there was a great uproar against Apostle Paul in Asia, that's in Ephesus, Asia. And then... Those people that were adamantly wanting to get rid of Apostle Paul were from that Asia, these Jews. So that means Apostle Paul, his ministry was, the Holy Ghost wanted to divert his ministry away from Asia, so just to avoid the future trouble. But you see, sometimes we didn't get it right. And because Apostle Paul didn't go to Asia first, but he came through another corner and still went to Asia some, some years later, which finally resulted in what we are saying. The Jews from Asia were the ones that really finally arrested him in Jerusalem that brought his ministry almost to the end also. And the Holy Ghost have already seen that in the future. And sometimes God will give you a warning there, but you may not understand what it is. And if you are not cautious, you may find yourself going back to do what God said you don't do. And that is really what we see here because the Bible said, Verse 6, now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden. What about forbidden? That's, what you, that's a strong word, forbidden. Not say, and were invited, and were suggested. Not a suggestion. Not that you come somewhere here, no, not no, this time. He said, forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. That's a strong word that Apostle, that Luke wrote down here, that they were forbidden. He said, well, does that mean God doesn't want Asia to know the gospel? No. Maybe somebody else would have done it a little bit differently. Or it would have come later when uh, those, those uh, fanatical guys are gone. Because, I mean, Africa finally got the gospel. But see, maybe Asia would have gotten it maybe 50 years later if some other people went there gradually. And some of those fanatical people that persecuted Paul, maybe they would have been dead by that time. But see, when God forbid him to go there, there was a purpose. That they didn't get it because Paul finally got to Asia through another road. It's like, we want to go this way, say, no, don't go to Asia. And then they went, 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 went around there, and then finally, somehow, they came back to Asia. And in the end, we know the rest of the story that that was what caused Apostle Paul's arrest in Jerusalem because the, the 
it was in Ephesus, which is Asia, that we have the copper smith, the gold smith, the scissor smith that rose up against Apostle Paul. And then like Alexander, the copper smith was one of them that was saying, we will take this thing to, to, to court. And in the end, it was this Alexander, the copper smith, that went to Rome to speak against Paul when he was already arrested by the Jews from Asia. So you can see God already saw those things coming, trying to ward weighed off Paul from going that direction, but in the end, that was what happened really went later, not through, not this time around. Now, verse 7 of Acts of Apostles chapter 16, what I'm reading, after they were come to Messiah, and they are said to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Why would the Spirit suffering them not? Because the Holy Ghost wanted to divert them to another We want to go west, you know, don't go west. We want to go east, you know, don't go east. So where are we going now? I don't know. Of the because God wanted, He's not guiding this thing, but once He says go this way and you keep going, when He wants to interview, like I say, when the Lord wants to interrupt, He will come in and tell you, don't go right, don't go left, go forward. So that is exactly what we see now the Lord was leading them here. So they were told not to, forbidden not to go to Asia. So now they say, okay, this road leads to Bithynia. And you'll go say that, don't go to Bithynia. Verse 8, and they passing by Messiah came down to Troas. So now you see the road go this way, other road goes that way. You don't go to Bithynia, okay, well, let's go this way. So they went the other way and they came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So now that's what we call it Macedonia call. Because a vision came to Paul when they were in Troas that come over to Macedonia and another road goes this way, it goes to another section of the world called Macedonia. Not just one town, just the whole section. Almost like they come over to Africa or come over this. It's almost like a, a section to themselves. They come over to Macedonia and help us. That vision is saying, come and help us, see? which means the gospel is helping humanity. God sent the word of God to deliver mankind. So, the way the devil is raging and his people are crying unto God for deliverance, the gospel perhaps is the power of God unto salvation. So the Spirit is saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. It's the cry of the people. Because when there is corruption, when there is persecution, when there is evil in the land, whether the rulers or the evil doers or idol worshippers, doing what the rampant things, the killing human beings for ritualistic worship, the cry of the innocent is cry to God. And the spirits, you say, come over over here, bring the gospel over here to help. And that is why the call came to Apostle Paul in the vision, come over to Macedonia and help us. Because there must be some terrible things going on in that part of the world that the Lord knows that is the gospel that can deliver. Gospel of salvation. So that's why the vision came. And that God is still doing that up to now. Where there is evil going on in that place and it's gospel that can save the place, can deliver the place and the call. To bring evangelists to come and evangelize the place we come to some major evangelists. And God has done that over and over again. Verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for, to preach the gospel unto them. So that was how they decided that we have to go to Macedonia. Verse 11. Therefore, losing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia. And the next day to Neapolis. Now you see, they didn't say, well, let's go to some but they are just going straight to where the call came from. They bypass, forget all these other towns on the road, just go to Macedonia. Sometimes the Lord will call like that. You say, why don't you stop in our town and do something here? No, the Lord will say, go to this particular place first. 
They will get it later. The Lord God knows that every, 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 every gospel must go to every part of the world. But when he was going, he wanted to get some people first before they get too old and die. So the world may get hold of them when the, when the gospel comes to them. Verse 11. Therefore, losing from trust, we came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. So Philippi, he, he said, was the chief city. When they went straight to Philippi, and I colony. A colony means a colony of Rome. Roman government was ruling all those places. So wherever they have a governor, that part where they say a colony. So they colonized by the Romans. And we were in that city abiding certain days. Verse 12. Now you think of how will Apostle Paul start when they, as a team, there are not three of them, as we believe, or maybe Luke was already joined them here because Luke was saying we, meaning that he was now with them. So now they say, well, we came to a new town. We have never been there before. How will they do this thing? Where will, she, where will they start? That's why most of the time when they have a synagogue there, where they are synagogue of the Jews, they go to the synagogue of the Jews first. But if there's no synagogue, maybe they have to just go to the market you know, and start to talk to somebody. And that's how the gospel has been spread. And some people will listen. And there you begin to have uh, converts. So they said they were, we were in that city abiding certain days. So they, uh, those few days, you know, you talk to somebody here, talk to somebody here, maybe not listening, not interested. And verse 13. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside. Now, he didn't say on the Sabbath, we went to a synagogue. Most likely, there was no synagogue in that place. But there are four Jews that are preaching the gospel. And come the Sabbath day, so they said, well, let's go to outside the city where there will be a quiet place like a, like a riverside. Let's just pray. So as they said, on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was one to be made. And we sat down and spoke unto the women which resorted it. So when they got to this riverside, they saw that well, there are some women that are be washing clothes because that's where most of the time those days they just use river and wash their clothes, take the clothes to the river and wash it, and there we saw several women there doing that. And they saw this way, well, let's talk to these women too also. They also need the gospel also. Verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira. Now Thyatira is not Philippine, but see, these towns are small, small towns, they are neighbor, neighboring towns. And he said, this one is Thyatira here. Maybe Philippi is where they were. But he said, they are already outside Philippi. So if there's outside Philippi and there's a river, maybe the next town there is Thyatira. So they said, this woman was from Thyatira. But she already worshipped God. But when they were talking, she knew that well, these people are talking my language. You know, they are not other worshippers. She worshipped God. And they are talking about God, the true God. And she... Her heart was open. Whose heart the Lord opened, and that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Verse 15. And when she was baptized, so she accepted the gospel, she believed, and she was baptized, and her household, you can see she has some children that are also with her in that river that are all carrying. Maybe she's an elderly woman because she has her own house. So definitely she has some daughters that are more teenagers or, or young women. And see our household. So they were they all had the gospel and they all believed because they are already worshipping God, the God of heaven. The people, some people worship idols, 
Some people worship this uh, stone, but some people are worshiping God. But they don't know this true God except Jesus Christ came and manifest and began to show the true God to them. And that is what the apostle was preaching. Jesus Christ has come as the Son of God. So now in verse 15, as we are saying, and when she was baptized in her household, she besought us. I mean, she told the apostles, Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy, and Luke was part of them, making fun of them, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. Because you will say, Well, where you guys are staying? Oh, where well, we are staying in an inn over there. You know, of course, in inns and hotels like that, we have to pay money also. And that's people that are evangelizing, they need. All the money they can get to, they can, they can use to go to the next place and next place. So this woman offered them free housing. That I have a place where you guys can stay. If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Well, she said, being a woman, and we don't, we have not even introduced her husband. You don't know whether she, her husband was already died or not. They didn't call her a widow. Maybe her husband was separated. We don't know. But she has a household with children. But she was the head of the household because that's what it looked like. They said, come to my house and abide there. But if, she, if her husband he was with them in that household, most likely the husband would be the one to make the appeal. But the, one, the way it was reported here, so that the woman was herself the head of the household, and maybe the husband was no more around or was separated or dead. And it came to pass, we are now in verse 16, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, I mean, they now stay in the woman's house. They go from the woman's house and, and go and go for prayer and try to witness to people in the markets and go to prayer. And that's what Apostle, uh, what Luke was reporting in chapter 16, verse 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought our masters much gain by soothsaying. Now, this is a, a, an episode that that uh, was reported that I put Apostle Paul and Silas in trouble because this soothsayer, a young lad, we call it a, a certain damsel. A damsel is like somebody like a 13 year old, 12, 13, 14, 15, they remember classical damsel. Means she's not old enough to be married. He was not a toddler that is just a, but she is what we call teenager. So they call her a damsel. But this, this girl was possessed with the spirit of divination. See, she met us, she met this uh, the brethren that are preaching about. But this, this girl was used by our master when she was actually a slave girl. So she has masters that are using her to money, make money. If you tell the future to these people, so say they make money. And uh, that becomes like a trade for this, the masters of this girl. Verse 17 said, this same, this same girl followed Paul and us. I mean, she started following Paul around at this sister. And he told, calling attention to, to Paul that, hey, everyone, listen, these people here. And what was he following? They said, the same follow Paul and us, and Christ saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God. We show us unto us the way of salvation. Well, that will cause attention of the disciples. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, it's a spirit of divination. So they first maybe they just laugh at it. But it became an embarrassment later after some days because the, this is what was going to happen. But she was calling attention in the marketplace, attention of people, and say, everybody, listen, this four, these four men, they are this, this, and this, and that. They are the servants of the Most High God. What? 
and they show him to us the way of salvation. Oh, okay. That's what these people are preaching. Yeah, they talk about salvation over there. We don't know what that means, better. He's talking about salvation. So they, but people who thought this girl was calling attention to the apostles. No, she was actually promoting herself, promoting her, her business because now they will be saying, well, if she can see that, she must be authentic. Not so. so now they will, become, they will be patronizing her more. That is the plan of the devil. The devil is not really trying to preach the gospel for, for us. No, The plan of the devil was to call attention to this soothsayer to make more money. That's why she was now following the wherever she see that oh she said go let me let me make another announcement here. Verse 18. And this did she many days. You see that? She was doing it many days. At any time she saw the apostles, because they have to come to market, because that seems to be the only place to really preach where they are a crowd. Marketplace, and that's where this woman also, this little girl also being used to, to see her. And each time they come by, you say, Oh, here they are, the people, and she will call everybody, listen, these people. And she was calling attention to herself, not to the apostles. And she was doing this many days. And they first say, well, <laughs> they first laugh at it. But it now begin to become a, a nuisance. What, what in the world is this? And this did she many days. But Paul being grieved. Now he was not grieved. And this is not right. Why is he make, And now she now realize she's not just calling attention to us. She's not calling attention to herself. Make more clients. By they say, oh yeah, she could see. She saw those men. And they appreciate exactly what she said. And now they will consult her for more, more divination and make more money for her. That was the plan of the devil. But the devil was going to be cut short. And this Paul was grieved, being taught. The spirit, she could see. see we can, the sign of spirit that you can see the spirit that is actually using this girl. And Apostle Paul, the Bible says, he, he, he turned and said to the spirit, I command in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it, it came out the same hour. So the spirit is what God, what Apostle Paul talked to. And sometimes we can see the spirit when the Lord open our eyes to see the spirit that is really doing the stuff. And then he, then he could command the spirit without really telling, talking to the girl. So how can you talk to the spirit? We are still facing the girl, but you are seeing the spirit that is hanging around on the shoulder of the girl, and you are talking to that spirit to get out of her. And that's what happened, and the devil left, and the girl won't see nothing no more. The girl won't see anything anymore. Verse 19. The, the devil left, I say, verse 19. And when our master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, how did they do? because they told the girl, now here is some clients. Give them suicide. Say, well, I couldn't hear see anything anymore. I'm not hearing anything anymore. Those boys, those men, they cast this devil out. Who are these men? These men are. Once into yesterday and the day before, they send the some people think this uh, supernatural spirit are beings because I was in this place many years ago, many years ago when I first came to America, and I was working in the in engineering place, and one lady was telling me her experience. A lady, she told me that she attend or she attended some meetings, and these are not Christian meetings. So she, I was trying to witness to this lady where we are working. She said, oh, yeah, she knew about supernatural, that she attended some meetings in this area in America, in Arizona here, that she attended this meeting where some supernatural beings come and visit them. And she said she got visited by those supernatural beings. She said she always attended those meetings. Supernatural beings, I know what she was talking about because I'm a minister. I know she was talking about demons, maybe religious demons, as you make them prophesy 
or divination, whatever it is. She was saying it with our mouth. Not, she was not in a dream. She said, yeah, she, did, she attended those meetings where supernatural beings came and visited. And that was the type of thing. But when you cast those supernatural beings out, they, they, they don't see them no more. And that was what Apostle Paul did. Cast that devil out of that girl. And the girl can sense that she couldn't hear the, the supernatural beings anymore. She couldn't see those supernatural beings anymore. So they are no more communicating with her. So now she couldn't give any soothsaying or divination to any of the clients. And the people say, well, you can't see anything. Say, Those people cast them out. So this is master, your masters are mad. We can't make any money anymore. After they have seen that, they can't make any money anymore. There are people that have money, they will give you money for you to tell them Susan, and she get, didn't hear anything from the, those demons anymore. So she just told them, the, those uh, preachers, they cast the devil out. And so, our master saw that the hope of their gains was gone. They caught Paul and Paul. You see, you see Paul and Sally are still in the market. They just go look for them. Here's this man. They grab them and say, we're taking you to court. And drew them into the marketplace onto the rulers. So the, the market also have where they have a section for court. Because that's how the city was set up. So they drug, dragged them to the rulers and said, and brought them to the magistrates, verse 20, saying, this man being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive. Now that observe being Romans, so now they are now accusing them that they are teaching some customs that we as Romans, we are a colony of Romans, we shouldn't be doing what they are telling us to do. And that make the rulers say, what? We can't let these people go without, without punishing them. Verse 22, and the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes. They didn't try to get evidence or anything. They just took the words of these people that are speaking their language, and say, these people are Jews, they are not from here. So they rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Now they only got Paul and Silas. Maybe so Timothy and, uh, and uh, Luke, perhaps, was there, maybe four of them, but they only, they only know the people that were talking. So they know this is the man that's always is preaching everywhere, and this is his partner that's always preaching. Maybe Timothy and Paul Luke are just help us, they just stand around and help. So they got the two leaders of this team and grabbed them to the court. And that's why it was Paul and Sarah that were beaten and they tore their clothes off and put them in jail. Told the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. I mean, maximum security, that's what he had. Maximum security. Don't let them escape or you are in trouble. So the jailer heard that say, well, I better put them in the, in the slammer. In the inner, before they can escape, put them in the innermost jail. Put their, shade, their feet on, 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 the, on the locks. Having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the, in the stocks. Verse 25. And this is the, the, miracle, the miracle that happened to Apostle Paul and Silas. In that prison. Verse 25, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. You see, they are used to praying. So every three, three hours perhaps. By the time they brought over there, brought them over there, maybe it was late in the evening. So at midnight time, before they went to bed, they said, Well, we need to praise the Lord and pray. I say, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. 
I mean, they were praising out loud, not quietly. They were praising out loud, singing praise to God, even though they were in shades. And the prisoners, other prisoners in that same jail were listening, like, oh, what is making these people happy? And they were just listening to the songs that these people were singing. Verse 26 says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Now, this is a supernatural earthquake, not the earthquake that normally we happen where buildings collapse, and so on. So you can see, they call it earthquake because the earth shook. That was God stepped into that place and the earth shook. But instead of the buildings collapsing and walls falling down, which normally follow earthquakes, that was not what happened. Only the chains of these men were broken loose. So it was supernatural and angels visited the place after they were singing praise of God and, and worshiping God. And he said, the doors were open. If they want to escape, yeah, the doors open. Everyone's bands were loose. I mean, what about the, the fellow, the jailer put them in chains and bands so that they couldn't escape? That loose also. If they want to escape, they are free to escape. They see, that was what the Lord just demonstrated right there for them. But they didn't try to escape. They just stayed there. Verse 27, and the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open. He drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. You know, he, he was given a charge that keep them safely, maximum security. Don't let them escape, otherwise you will be in trouble. And then he woke up and heard that there was a blast earthquake. The door, he found the door that of the piece of the jail open. The jail door was open. These people have escaped, it's the first thing he thought. And that thought crossed his mind that if they escape, I better keep myself before they before be in serious trouble. So that's why he said he draw his sword, would have killed himself. Supposing that the prisoners, which prisoner, he saw the two men that he, they say maximum security, not the other one that perhaps nobody would care about if they run away. But the two men that he put in the inner prison, that's the one that he was concerned about because that was a special instruction. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, because it was night time. So he called for a light and sprang in, came trembling. You guys are still here. Why didn't you escape? You don't need to. And fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sars, what must I do to be saved? Now, this question is look like a summary of what really happened. Because how did the man know about these people are preaching salvation? Has he been to the market and heard them talk? Or have they been able to talk to him since they have been in the prison? Or while they are singing and preaching and singing and praying, they were talking to, into the ear that he was overhearing before he himself fell asleep? So those are all possibilities. But the question he was asking is, uh, what must I do to be saved? Show that he has heard about salvation, these people are preaching. And that through the people say these people are preaching about saying something about salvation, okay. And maybe when they came into the jail, it was why I was chaining them with I was talking to them that you need also to be saved. Saved from what? Hell and lake of fire. Ah, if you don't understand that, you say you just lock them up. Anyway. So in the end, what happened? In the end, it was It was the jailer that came back and said, what must I do to be saved? 
So now they preach to him that you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's verse Verse 29 and verse 30. He said, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said unto him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. Now that is really when they really now really talk to him the word of the Lord. He just asked the question how he could be saved. So they told him that what we are preaching is this and this and that and that. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that we have been preaching. And then they talked to him more. Now in that dead of night, we have to say in the dead of night, because it's at midnight. So now it was this jailer who lived in the same compound in the jail place, in, the, in that prison. He has his own place where he lived with his family. He was impressed that these people didn't run out when they quick make the gate, the door open, and their chains were broken, and he was thinking they would escape. And he said, no, we don't escape. We are here, right here. So that in itself so amazed him. I said, gee, I know you guys are preaching something. What must I do to be saved? So they told him more about the Lord Jesus Christ. That he must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And so, oh, so now he's brought them into his house, which is in the same compound. And uh, in the midnight, 12 midnight, yeah. There was now a light in the house also. So he, he listened and his family, his wife, his children, they all listened. And he, they told him how they need to be baptized if they believe. And the Bible said, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. I mean, the man now became their friend. He is all the weeping that they have broken that have uh, broken their skin. He helped them to, to tidy that one up so that they were really now taking care of like a, take a nursing of their wounds. As I say, he, he washed their stripes as where they have been beaten. And then he himself was baptized, he and all his house, straightway. Now, how did they get the baptism? Well, most of the time, maybe they just put water in a drum and do the burying of that water in a drum. But whatever way, they call it, he was baptized. I don't think they will look for a river and go out from there to a river. And that's possible if the man has a, very, a way of going there and they could baptize him and bring him back. It has to be late in the 1 a.m., 2 a.m., not so. But the Bible says he was baptized. Verse 34, and when he had brought them into his house, he said, he's believing in God with all his house. So in that night, the man got himself baptized with his whole house, and they believed, and they brought the apostles into the house. You can see all night, from 12 midnight till almost, you know, how long that was, 4 a.m., before they were able to really sleep that night. Verse 35, and when it was day, I mean the second day now, the magistrates sent the sergeants, those are these people that are soldiers, that are police that normally you know, work with the magistrates. The magistrates are the, the, the judges. Saying, let those men go. Now they, maybe they after those magistrates have done all those bad things a day before, they put their heads together and say, well, why did you beat those people? What did they really do? Well, these people, they, maybe they, they ask questions from these people. You say they are teaching this, you know, they investigate further, but they have reacted to the accusation and because these people are foreigners. Sometimes people just take law into their hand and mistreat foreigners. And that's what they thought they did. Then they finally investigated and said, what did they really do to you guys? What did you mean by they are teaching? What did they say? Well, they cast a devil out of this girl, that girl that, that we used to make money. Uh, they themselves don't believe in that. Well, that's your problem. Why do you make us to beat them up? 
So they decided and said, well, I think we, we overreact. Let's just let those men go. So now they sent to the jail and said, well, let those men go. They just dismiss them like that. Let them go. Verse 36. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, they pass and go in peace. But Paul was not going to let this die down like that. Paul wanted to exercise his, uh, his uh, what do you call his rights as a Roman. Himself is a Roman, and he knew the law because Paul was educated, maybe an attorney, so to speak. He knew what the law says. So he wanted to, to pull their legs, as we call it. So Paul said unto them, nah, they have beaten us openly uncondemned. As you don't just beat people when you have not even condemned them. You have not even taken them to court and decide the case that they are condemned and say the punishment is for them to be whipped or to be in prison. You just reacted with the mob. And you are the people that say you are introducing uh, civilization. You are working for Rome, not so. You are introducing civilization. There's no more jungle justice. That's what Rome was intro you know, introducing to the world. No more jungle justice. We are just stone somebody because they think he did something against their un uh, uncivilized law. That's what the Romans think. So that's why they put it in the days of uh, the uh, legislature that, you know, you can just stone somebody to death. You must bring him to court before the governor. And that's what the, the rulers of the Jews were saying, that when you, you, by according to your law, we can't kill anybody. Say, yeah, you can't kill anybody. But they want you to kill this Jesus, this, this Christ for them. So that's why Pontius Pilate said, well, gee, kill? Let me ask the other question from this man. So you see, but you see, that is, that is really why Apostle Paul, who knew the law, was a, a really educated person, was saying, they have beaten us openly uncondemned. Being Romans, we ourselves are Romans. And have cast us into prison. And now they, do they trust us privately? Nay, nay, very little. Let them come themselves and fetch us our apostles. What was I going to say? We are not going to just sneak out and see if nothing has happened to us. They should come and apologize. That's what we use in this day. They should come and apologize. Let them come themselves. This magistrate should come themselves. And that's bold. No? That's bold. Telling the magistrate to come and Apologize and take us out and say and apologize to us. That's really what uh, Apostle Paul was insisting. In. Verse 37. Verse 38. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates. And they feared when they heard that they were, they were Romans. Ah, now they are in trouble. Because the Romans have some privileges. If you are a Roman, in those generations, you have some privileges. That was even what the what the chief captain was telling Apostle Paul when he was arrested, and, cap and chief captain wanted to whip Apostle Paul. They are tying him to the stake to whip him. Apostle Paul said, are you allowed to whip somebody that is a Roman and uncondemned? You see that in chapter 26 or 28, 26 and 7, when Apostle Paul was arrested. That was the first thing he asked the chief captain. And chief captain said, you are a Roman? Oh, you can't, you can't, even, you can't even just bind you until, we, until you go to court. Not so. And he said, well, uh, the ship captain was telling Apostle Paul, I have to buy that right. So it cost me a lot to make himself naturalized. So he make himself a naturalized citizen because he saw that if he became a Roman, there are some privileges like that. They can't just arrest you and beat you up and something like that. And he said, I have to pay a lot of money to buy that uh, privilege. Apostle Paul said, well, I was naturally born Roman. Ah. So that was what Apostle Paul was using to save himself from some mistreatment. It's what we call it, mistreatment. Because it was a mistreatment to just arrest somebody without really telling him the charges and started beating him up. 
or putting in detention. That was what they were doing in that, uh, that place. So Apostle Paul said, we are, we are Romans. And the magistrates said, when they found that they were Romans, they were afraid that we have beaten them. Oh, it's now they, and verse 39 said, and they came and besought them and brought them out and decided them to depart out. They said, we don't want trouble with you guys. Just leave our city alone. So they were not telling Paul and Sarah to just leave the city. So the magistrates have the right to say that. Now, don't come to um, trouble or say, leave our city alone. That's what they are saying. You guys are Romans. We, can't even, we are not even allowed to, to arrest you, imprison you, and whip you the way we did. We are sorry. But now, please, just leave our city alone. That's what they are saying. So they, they, they desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison. Lydia. So they went back to Lydia's house where Timothy and perhaps Luke. So they said, well, their letters out were now told to leave. When they had seen the brethren, I mean, they have been having some disciples now. So Lydia was one of the people and some of the people that are already fellowshiping with them. So when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So they, asked, they finally just left the city, just like the magistrate said, we have the right to say you should leave. So please leave. So don't, don't cause us trouble here because you are not invoking the law of the Romans. And these people are not Romans. They are just colony of Romans and they don't want to be in trouble with Rome. So they just said, Paul, please leave. That was the end of chapter 16. And I'm going to continue this in chapter 17.